Welcome to the latest episode of the Social Housing Retrofit Accelerator podcast, where we dive into the detail to support your domestic retrofit projects. Hi, everybody. I'm Sarah Daly. I'm an Associate Director at uh, Turner and Townsend. So I'm delighted today to be uh, welcoming Russell Smith of Retrofit Works. So today we're going to have a little exploration of, um, to a certain extent, the challenges of um, social housing retrofit as a sort of topic area. But also uh, we're in quite an interesting uh, period of time at the moment. Um, And I was just saying to Russell, I think that social housing fraternity is suddenly finding itself the heroes of the retrofit piece. So what are your thoughts about where we are at the moment, Russell? Obviously, social housing has had uh, has been under a lot of pressure for a while to build new properties um, for various reasons, um, and I think that the tent has always been there within with all the asset managers uh, and finance directors that we talk to uh, regularly um, about about retrofit. The intent has always been there, but the incentive uh, and the the uh, and the cash have not been prioritised. So it's, it's been really tough, but the Social Housing uh, Decarbonisation Fund has, has put it to the fore and there's a real opportunity now for the industry to have, have a proper go at this with some proper finance over a, a, a decent period of time. So you can actually set something up, learn from it properly and, and hopefully share all of the good stuff and importantly, critically share all the bad stuff openly so that we, we don't all have to learn the same lessons. We can trip over those, skip them, and move on, move on to powering forward with carbon decarbonisation as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a good point you make there about um, lessons learned. But I'm just wondering mm. if we've got to start moving out of that demonstrator uh, phase uh, and uh, reinventing the wheel and actually start to really focus in on on mm. those, uh, I suppose, exemplars uh, that already exist um, yep. and, and, and try and all catch up. Yeah, well, I, I certainly hope that the, the people that are bidding for the for the funding will look back at um, things like retrofit for the future that did do retrofit and it did the monitoring and there are results out there and reports written on what worked and what didn't, you know, and and, and try and build them into what they're what they're doing. But you're, I think you're you're hinting at scale. Um, yeah, yeah, you could argue that the scale of this isn't even big enough and quick enough, but it's something, right? Um, so you know, and there's there's enough funding there for quite a large number of projects to happen. Um, it would be nice to be able to make sure those uh, that those those things do, that the lessons that are learned find their way, they trickle through to live jobs outside of these pilot projects very, very quickly as well. Mm. Uh, it'd be great if some of the social landlords can be very proactive on that basis. I know some are doing this kind of a reasonable scale already. This just gives them a bit of extra impetus to take some of the risk away. Yeah. Um, I do worry a little that there might be some risk managers within the social housing uh, organizations themselves that might say oh, okay come on then let's, let's try this we, we don't really want to do too much more until we've we, we've got to a certain stage well that might be two or three years away yeah we exactly. can't wait that long from a carbon perspective we've got to move much more quickly so i hope they're brave and certainly mm. this funding gives them the opportunity to do so mm. yeah and i suppose uh yeah i mean that one of the things i was uh, just wondering about actually is in terms of with this funding there's obviously lots of other funding streams around like um lad and hug mm. Have you have you seen any um, discussion or are any of your contacts talking about how they're uh, perhaps using those three opportunities, perhaps combining uh, funding streams in order to come up with the best possible combination of uh, outcomes? Um, yeah, yeah. So it does come up in conversation for sure, uh, and I think. Um, 
given that Ladd and Hugger got very clear, uh, you know, uh, entry criteria for it's, it's the occupants ultimately, um, and there are um, the limits on the amount of social housing uh, that can go into those funding streams, it just makes sense to overlap them. It, it really, really does. Of course, those two uh, funding streams do require very close collaboration with local authorities, um, which, you know, most of the landlords that we work with do have those relationships already. Um, the key is being able to get your teams together quite quickly in order to hit the deadlines. Yeah. You know, you know, and, and very, very clear and all that stuff. So, you know, we've, we've, we've worked for a number of years for, with local authorities and landlords now to understand their stock, uh, to be able to model things accurately uh, in order to get a very clear picture of what net zero look like, looks like, what measures are required, how much mm. it's going to cost. You know, you can do that up front. So then you can start looking at the nitty gritty of, right, OK, well, how do we actually do this? What supply chain do we use? And if you know what funding there is available, then that, that's great. And what the, the only the only tricky thing right now is we, we don't know which local authorities have won any of the lab three and hug money so yeah. um, <clears throat> that's the only challenge but you know if you if you're looking to target certain types of properties and you know as a landlord that you've got uh, occupants with certain incomes within those properties you can start to at least understand where your pockets of real advantage might be in overlapping mm. funding streams just in terms of programmes like this one, do you think there's going to be, um, and, and, and again, looking at the worst first, fabric first, least regrets approach that mm. is required by this um, programme, do you think it's better that they start to look at doing more properties to um, uh, basically covering more ground rather than trying to do a few uh, projects perfectly and getting a few homes to net zero? Yeah, do you know what? There's, there's even benefit in monitoring the performance of houses with no retrofit, right? Because you yeah. just need to marry what you're finding from the data with how that house should have performed. And that really helps you to get your modelling right. So, you know, if, if anybody has got any budget to just monitor the performance of 20 houses and do no retrofit, they should do it. Um, to give you a picture of, of what happened when we modelled every house within the Greater Manchester Combined Authority area. So this is a mixture of tenure. This isn't just social housing. And if you look at it from a pure mathematics perspective, um, the, the cheapest way to get to net zero was to stick a heat pump in every house and ignore the insulation, right? Yes, absolutely. So there was a, this is where you need smart people to be able to drive the, the software and make good decisions and understand the occupants and all that kind of stuff. So it, it, it but it, back to your question, it would be really smart for a number of landlords to go, yeah, we're going to do a larger number of properties here. We're going to look at the properties that actually... Uh, Insulation wise, perhaps don't need too much, but we can do go a hell of a long way with, with certainly with an air source or ground source heat pump. And certainly uh, if, if you can go, if you could plug into district heating, great. Um, and, and you chuck some PV on it and maybe you've achieved a hell of a lot just with that. And the cost of that is not going to be gr too great um, uh, as compared with, with the risk of implementation, because as soon as you start going inside the house and pulling floorboards up and all that kind of stuff, the, the risk to timescales, the risk to tenant uh disgruntlement all that kind of stuff it, it go, goes up dramatically so it would be great to have a number of different philosophers in this if, if we're all going to learn about this from each other that's for sure if everyone does the same we're not going to learn very much no that's right and in fact this brings us back to this whole idea of having building passports so yep. you've got that you know that core record of everything that's done on that property mm. um and also understanding different configurations of occupants and how they might live and obviously you've got different you know uh, archetypes of buildings but also different archetypes if you like of families and uh, oh, yeah. 
you know that that will have a massive impact on it so there's there, there's a lot to take into account isn't there in in the matrix of how you decide what and how to do oh it's, it's enormous and um it's all about data yeah absolutely. um so the, the more that we're able to monitor the better off we'll be um certainly if you've got a picture of how the building's being used by the occupants which components of the buildings are performing as per the modeling so being able to compare monitoring and modelling is really important. So you need to be able to monitor the things that have been modelled so that you can see where the house hasn't performed. Rather than just say, oh, the bill's a bit high and shrug your shoulders and say, well, what do we do next time? And what tends to happen is everyone starts from scratch rather than looking back at what happened before. So uh, we definitely need to be able to do it on that, on that basis for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, Russell, you've, uh, you're obviously uh, one of the uh, leading lights in the uh, housing uh, field anyway, but um, and have been very involved with the uh, National Retrofit Strategy through the Construction mm. Leadership Council. So uh, we've only got a few minutes left, but do you want to talk a, a little bit perhaps about how this all sits within that, that bigger picture or, you know, what, what should be happening now? Yeah, well, <clears throat> the numbers are fairly eye-watering, but... Um... I firmly believe this is, is the, the, the tackling of this is very possible. So to give you some of the, the idea of some of the numbers, I, I'd urge people, by the way, to go and look at the latest version of this, which is now on the Construction Leadership Council's website. I think it's about July it was posted. There's a version two there. So um, it, we're requiring a, an additional around about 400,000 people to come in as tradespeople to do this work. Expecting number numbers of around 50,000 people, uh, 35,000 will be uh, new retrofit coordinators and the rest will be supervisory people that will, will look after supply chains but so we, we've got a big ask there just to even get to the point where we've got enough people to hit these these standards and that, that's obviously across the country now we've got a chance here that the social housing decarbonisation fund can really accelerate some of the new people coming into the sector it would be great if we've got some social landlords that are encouraging a large proportion of the, the people doing the work on their projects to be apprentices new to the sector not just coming out of college, but coming from different sectors. Perhaps they've even got they got 90% of the skills and they're coming from manufacturing. That would be magnificent. That shows us a real way of getting these 400,000 people in. Mm. Um, so it's it's a tough ask. It's not it's not just about skills and training and getting the new people. Though I, I I believe we need to be nurturing new companies coming into the field because you can't just expect the existing companies to just absorb all those new people because you're going to get cash flow problems immediately. We're asking them to grow far too quickly. Um, so there's, there's elements to this uh, about uh, standards. What standards yeah. are we actually aiming for? So you, the debate we just had about how deep and how wide you go, that's a live question. You yes. get lots of people, that you can, well, not so many now, but some people saying we should be retrofitting to passive house standard. Now that, that's just unaffordable, um, but we can rail back on that a bit and do more projects, more individual uh, addresses for the same money potentially. What is that sweet spot? Well, it'll, it'll be different for each area of the country. So the yeah. debate we had in Manchester for the Manchester project was, well, um, how much can the local grid cope with in terms of new heat pumps? Well, yes. if it can't cope very much, then you go more on the insulation. So there's all these other angles there that mean you've got to bear yeah. all this stuff in mind. So the National uh, uh, Retrofit Strategy is trying to get the debate going as well. And I, I, I genuinely believe that the, the civil servants we presented it to, they were listening. And I, we, we, we think... Uh, the large part of the things we were suggesting are in the heat and building strategy, which still hasn't been launched by government. So uh, we're really looking forward to that coming out. Um, we want, we hope it's soon, because whilst the social housing decarbonisation fund gives us a real opportunity to be able to do, uh, really, as we said right at the start of this, look at the long term, invest, 
get the supply chains going, get the internal intelligence going, get some CRM built so that you actually know what's being built, building passports there so you can look back at what's happened. Actually, we, we need the 25-year, 30-year plan, really, to be able to give everyone the real confidence. And I'd love it if some social housing uh, um, organisation decided to set up their own contracting firm. Absolutely. And actually using their tenants that might be looking for work to actually do yeah. the work. They, Proper they, social value. Yeah. yeah. It, it, but yeah, that, that's what this is about. So I, I do personally think all the right things are emerging. Mm. But we kind of just need it a bit quicker. <laughs> we do, we do. And yeah, you know, we, we need some of the, the larger, definitely some of the larger housing associations to step up and, and, and again sort of become that mechanism, <clears throat> you know, joining forces with uh the uh, uh further education colleges and mm. uh you know the the economic development teams and the leps and everybody else you know this really should be at that level shouldn't it definitely russell we've run out of time it's okay. been an absolute delight to uh to have a quick uh gallop through some of those topic areas with you mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully our audience have found those interesting um the whole purpose of these podcasts is to get to debate around some of the topics rather than look at the technical issues, but hopefully those will be covered in the masterclasses. But thank you very much indeed, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Okay, cheers. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Social Housing Retrofit Accelerator podcast. To receive the latest episodes, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or sign up to the SHRA newsletter. Check out socialhousingretrofit.org.uk for more information, events and news. I was your host, Sarah Daly. Thank you.